With this candle, I will light your way in darkness. With this ring, I ask you to be mine. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Bookcase Diaries. <laughs> That's right. It's spooky season once again and we are ready with an episode on one of our favorite seasonal films (laughs) (laughs) it's spooky time again i love this time me too yeah what a good time this is a fun time especially before it gets too cold yes it's an okay time it's a great great time it's a great time for us because we get to cover spooky movies and our listeners love spooky movies they do they sure do. Yeah, it's it's proven by the amount of listens that by these the episodes numbers, get yes. versus <laughs> other episodes. So thank you guys for yeah. letting us know what it is that you want, yeah. and we're sorry we don't provide it for you. But this is all not year, a true crime podcast. <laughs> Everyone knows that Tim Burton is one of the spookiest men in Hollywood, in the best way, of course. His films are known for their signature mix of offbeat comedy and creepy visuals. Even when he makes a film that isn't necessarily frightening, he still finds a way for it to match his strange aesthetic. While Tim Burton is well known for his live-action films, it's no secret that he's also a fan of stop-motion animation. Every year, the Halloween and Christmas seasons are filled with his classic Nightmare Before Christmas, directed by Henry Selick. Last year, on the podcast, we discussed Frankenweenie, a Burton animated adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. This week, we're focusing on another marvelously morbid Burton film, The Corpse Bride. Hey, Frankenweenie. That was fun. It was fun. I liked that one a lot. It's no secret that Mr. Burton likes stop motion. (laughs) (laughs) I think, and it's, you know, there's something inherently weird about stop motion that makes it really good for creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that stop motion is scary or necessarily no. creepy. There's just something about it. You know, I think it's just when you're watching it and it's just so visceral, you mm-hmm. know, you, you can yeah. feel the characters and they just look so real and there's just something kind of odd about it. Yeah. yeah. Loosely based on a folktale with Jewish and Russian elements, The Corpse Bride is a melancholic fairy tale, a tragic story with delightfully upbeat undead characters Against a living world so bleak and muted, it might as well be in black and white. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can feel that. I I always felt like the main character was also dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really feels it feels like the living people are dead in this movie. Right. Yes. More than the undead. <laughs> this film is just the thing to get you into the Halloween holiday spirit. So, hold on to your rings and don't make any vows that you don't intend to keep. It's time to fall in love with the corpse bride. Hey. I love this movie. This is a fun one. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. What do you guys think about the corpse bride? I have always enjoyed it just because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it already has a leg up being in Timber and stop motion. I yeah. mean, boom, <laughs> points already. It's been quite a minute since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I I remember liking it. I'm, you know, Johnny Depp's always fun Mm -hmm. so it's just a a good voice and all that so it's a fun time and it definitely gets you into that spooky mood yeah 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 i definitely have appreciated this movie more as time has gone oh yeah 
Yeah. Because when I first watched it, I wasn't that impressed with it. I was a kid, and I remember my mom brought it home, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's, just, it's not a Nightmare Before Christmas. So. <laughs> right, so right. It's, I mean, it's all right. I remember, you know, yeah. having a very blase yeah. attitude toward this movie, but as time's gone on, especially my younger sister, Becky, really likes stop motion, mm-hmm. and she, it's, you know, kind of reintroduced it to me like this is a good movie and it, it really is yeah it's really good it gets a little slept on i think i agree I but think so too. yeah it is good though and it, i think that you know we're gonna talk a little bit about the songs later but i think that that was like the the opening of it was a little slow mm-hmm. and i remember like kind of having a difficult time sticking with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, as, especially as a kid. I mean, I can yeah. totally understand. Yeah. And the themes in it are so complex yeah. about life and death and, you yeah. know, this whole idea <laughs> of this corpse bride character who is not villainous in any no. way. You know, you just feel very sympathetic and there's a lot right. of really adult themes, but it, it's, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that I saw as an adult. I did not see it when I was younger. And I remember really liking it. I mm-hmm. thought it was so, it's just a very sweet movie. Mm-hmm. It, it just took me. It was one of those ones where I'm like, I could watch this like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the animation and the voice actors in it are yeah. just perfect. When you're watching it, you think, how is this going to get resolved? Yes. Because you really want a happy ending for everybody. But yeah. You're watching it, especially when you're a kid, you're like, he can't die and marry the corpse bride. Like, <laughs> he can't do that. Yeah. Like, like, he can't. But as an adult, you're like, I mean, he could. I yeah. guess if he really wanted to. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, there's plenty of ways. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. just like, okay, who knows how this is going to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, for those of you out there who haven't seen this movie, here is a little summary. Victor and Victoria are one day away from the arranged marriage that their parents have set up for them. As they practice their vows, Victor becomes increasingly nervous, even though he appears to like Victoria. Yeah, this is an arranged marriage, but they seem cool with each other. They meet, and they're like, actually, it's pretty good. You can make it work. Yeah, Yeah. there's worse matches. Yeah. (laughs) That night, as Victor practices his vows in the woods, he places the ring on an apparent tree branch. He soon discovers that the branch was in fact the finger of a corpse bride, buried in a shallow grave. Thrilled that a man has seemingly vowed to be her husband, the corpse bride drags Victor to the land of the dead, where he is stuck between life and death. Meanwhile, in the land of the living, Victoria's parents have arranged her to marry another man, the nefarious Barkus Bittern. Victor must find a way to admit his mistake and stop Victoria and Barkus's wedding, or he will spend eternity with his undead bride. Yeah. And he's this kind of, Victor's this kind of stumbling, like, character. He can't really get things out. He's Mm -hmm. super nervous all the time. And, you know, when you have a character like Emily, who's the corpse bride, who's, fairly confident Mm -hmm. you know she's cool beautiful you know she's honestly would be a great bride yeah Uh, despite the the zombification yeah Yeah. basically exactly yeah she's honestly she's very pretty yeah even though she is undead Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think this is something that 
would only work in the Burton aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> because he can take something that seems very kind of gruesome mm-hmm. and macabre, but still very likable. Yeah. Yes. Somehow, yep. look at every character in Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, Jack Skellington is a very tall, scary skeleton, mm-hmm. but yeah. we love him. Yeah. yeah. And this is the same thing. It's like yeah. somehow mm-hmm. still beautiful. And Emily in this one, she's just very sweet too mm-hmm. because she brings back, like she brings him his his dog that had passed away. Yeah, I yeah. Know. she's like, she like she's like here. This is something you loved in life. He's right here. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting take on the afterlife. That's yeah, for sure. definitely. Yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit about how the movie was made. Yeah. Oh, busily boy. I know we like never do that. Yeah, we absolutely never do that. What if we just cut it out? (laughs) Then it's a ten minute episode. Yeah. (laughs) According to Tim Burton, the idea for the corpse bride came from a pre-existing story that was only a few paragraphs long. Joe Ranft, a good friend of Burton's and one of the minds that helped launch Pixar, was the person that passed the story along to Burton. Ramped was a storyboard supervisor on Nightmare Before Christmas and might have given Burton the idea for Corpse Bride while the two worked on the film. Several sources claim that the original tale was a Russian folktale, while others believe it was based on The Finger, a story with Jewish roots. Because Burton himself doesn't remember the name of the story or Ramped found it, it's tough to pinpoint exactly which folktale inspired the film. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh no, know. I just like this. Yeah. I just like the idea. I just remembered but the idea. Essentially, of the story. that's what he said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the film, Emily, the corpse bride, was buried in a shallow grave in her wedding gown. Many have pointed out that this detail reflects a horrific time in Russian history when anti-Jewish riots ended countless lives, especially in the early 20th century. There were instances of Jewish brides being murdered and buried in their wedding gowns. However, in The Corpse Bride, Emily is not targeted for being Jewish. Ugh. Mm. Horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it happened yeah. for a long time. It start, first started, I think, in like the later 19th century, and then it got especially bad during the early 20th century. Wow. Crazy. The seemingly most likely source material for The Corpse Bride is The Finger. Besides both stories revolving around a man unwittingly marrying an undead bride, there are some major differences. The folktale may be of Russian and Jewish origin, but the film takes place in Victorian England. The characters are wed by a Christian minister instead of a rabbi, mm-hmm. reflecting Western European fairy tale influences instead of Eastern. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe if they hadn't made a change like that, it would have been like very clear to yeah. people like oh it's definitely referencing this yeah definitely yeah. and i think this is a huge criticism of the film and rightly yeah. so mm-hmm. i don't really understand if it was a jewish tale why would you would take like and yeah. change it to be that, a priest instead. yeah exactly yeah. why you would take that part of the story out of it and it yeah. is that is a shame and i think they could have still done it without if if they really didn't want to touch on the real life stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. related directly to that time they could have still had it be a jewish wedding and you know that would have been all the sprinkling you needed of it and you wouldn't yeah. have you know yeah people could relate it and be like oh because of that right but but it wouldn't be directly referencing no. it and i yeah. think could have still gotten away with yeah. it you know yeah 
By the time Tim Burton began directing The Corpse Bride, the film had been 10 years in the making. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny when you hear that and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's so much time. But then I think about a story I started writing when I was 15 that I still haven't finished. I'm like, like, it makes sense. Checks out. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. He was set on making another stop motion film and wanted to make sure he found the right people to make the project. Allison Abate, who was a producer on Nightmare Before Christmas, helped make Burton's ideas a reality. Director Mike Johnson oversaw the production on a day-to-day basis as the assistant director, when Burton was also shooting Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Whoa. Yes, he was filming hey. both of these movies at the same time. Same time. <laughs> Man. With Johnny Depp and Bolt. Yes. <laughs> he had worked on James and the Giant Peach and some projects for Will Vinton Studios. I honestly, Mike Johnson, I wish he would do more stuff. Yeah. He co-directed this movie and he hasn't really done much since. Yeah. He should he, come back. Yeah, <laughs> he should. He did he did direct a stop motion music video Ooh. for a cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Ooh. Interesting. It is wild and you should watch it. All right. I think I everybody listening, please watch that. That sounds crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. And he did work for Will Vinton, which we we talked about yeah. him in one of our stop motion episodes go. Go in the back. past. Yeah. They filmed The Corpse Bride over the course of a year at Three Mills Studio in the East End of London. Most of the animators working on the project were British. Some even had ties to Ardman Studios. Ardman! Hey. Hey. They do great stuff. They yeah. sure do. Some American animators from Will Vinton Studios joined the project as well. And if you can remember from our Leica episode, you know what happened to Will Vinton Studios around this time. According to an article by the Animation World Network, almost 40 model makers and builders were recruited from the Harry Potter and Star Wars films to make the intricate sets. Interesting. If you want model builders in your movie, find a Star Wars crew. Yeah. Oh my gosh. One thing that a lot of these stop motion movies have are like just fantastically built areas for the yeah. for the dolls or or statues yeah. or whatever they're puppets. called yeah. puppets thank yeah. you yep. it's like what's the word <laughs> for the puppets to to move around in yeah it's always so beautiful when you see some of the behind the scenes stuff and it's all built and it's like yeah. smaller than you expect and it's like oh it's so cool yes it's like i want to i want to live I in know. It. I want to live in this teeny tiny little town. <laughs> Everything looks so much simpler. Or, yeah. or set up like a museum to stop motion, and just every room is like that size of you know, like a town from a different oh, movie. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, it'd be so cool. <sighs> the production used a 35 millimeter digital still camera to capture the movement of puppets over the course of 55 weeks. The upgrade from film to digital was huge because it allowed the animators to look back at previous shots and perfect the animation. Very nice. Yeah, yeah before that, they were kind of working blind. Yep. yep. A little bit. They didn't really know. But like, did the film come out correctly? Yeah. Was How... there a weird shadow? Yeah. Was there? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it was a little more difficult when it was just film. So digital actually really sped that up. Yeah, Yeah. very awesome. McKinnon and Saunders, one of the world's leading puppet companies, made the characters for the film. 
Yay, who else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't I don't think we've ever really talked about them before. I don't think so either. But they make incredible puppets and they make them for some of the biggest movies yeah. that are out there. They made it for Frank and Weenie. Mm-hmm. Merrick Cheney and Tom St. Amon built their signature steel armatures that made each puppet a movable character. Yeah, they built the armatures on Nightmare Before Christmas as well. Mm -hmm. Armatures, if you guys are unfamiliar, are steel skeletons that go inside the puppets. (laughs) On each of the puppets' heads was a mechanical gear mechanism that allowed subtle movements in the faces. This was a groundbreaking addition to the art of stop motion and allowed for a greater range of emotion and sped up the process because animators no longer had to remove faces as often. Yeah. <laughs> Game yeah. changer. Heck yeah. All they got to do is put a little like screwdriver in the ear and twist it and the mouth opens or something. Yes. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, the eyes move or yeah. the yeah. Like, eyebrows move slightly. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch Corpse Bride, you'll notice, if you watch closely, you'll notice that the character movements are so much more subtle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The the puppets feel more like actors. Yeah. In Nightmare Before Christmas, they did the face swapping. It's so difficult to do that. You can ob- absolutely pull it off. Mm-hmm. But with this, it was like you didn't have to move the faces out. No. Nope. And you were able to just kind of, you know, make these little yeah. subtle movements yeah, yeah. without having like, it's not clay, yeah. you know. <laughs> you can, it's I mean, it's pretty yeah. cool. And they'd never done it on such a small scale before. Mm-hmm. They said they had done it on like big puppets, but on little ones they'd never done. So this was kind of a groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah you can't imagine how intricate the mechanics beneath the face had mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. These little tiny, tiny oh, gears, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I would be so afraid working on one of these movies if I was yeah. like, okay, we need you to move the eyes to look left slightly. And I'm like, I, I'm so afraid I'm going to bump anything. Yes. I, know, yeah. I know they're stiffer than you think. They're a little harder to move because, I mean, they have the steel skeleton inside mm-hmm. and all that. But still. But I'd be so afraid to scoot it out of line and just ruin the shot. Oh, and I know. Like, oh, God. Uh, I have to go back 10 frames. God, you have to be so precise. Yeah. Yeah. There were about 200 puppets total used in the production. 14 of them were Victor, 14 were Emily, the corpse bride, and 13 were Victoria. Each character was designed by Tim Burton and character designer Carlos Grangel. Burton tends to design characters with very small legs, making them disproportionate and difficult to animate. The three main characters have a classic Burton design in that they are all very tall and thin with tiny feet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> tiny, tiny Signature. feet. Signature. Yeah. <laughs> they have these little petite little feet, and uh, there are a lot of characters in this movie that are very round, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Very thick characters yep. with these rimrod straight little chicken legs underneath and it, you could see how like <laughs> yeah. that would be hard yeah <laughs> like, just oh. imagine a ball with like toothpicks at the bottom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and little stays up. and little raisins for feet yeah, oh my yeah. God. like that's i mean <laughs> magic when an animator spends nearly a year animating a character they grow attached to the puppet which helps the individual performances When many people think about actors in animation, they think about the people providing the vocal performances. But animators are actors, too. 
They make decisions about the movement and reaction of the characters. Having great actors as animators elevated the performances of the film, but it also makes it difficult to have matching performances when another animator takes over. That's such an interesting issue with stop motion. (laughs) You don't have that any other way, man. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Anytime you have a movie that's being animated, there is a little bit of, you know, an issue when Mm -hmm. you have one animator working on one scene, one animator working on another scene, you know, and trying to match all of that up perfectly. But with stop motion, it's so particular. It's so different because it's like, you know, it's not a scene, it's the character. And right. the character inherently moving differently simply because a new animator has taken over <laughs> for this portion of the movie. That's so strange. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's odd, right? Yeah. It's like these the puppets are kind of extensions of the animators themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Even something as simple as their gait and the way they walk, yeah. you yeah. know? Would be would be different. It's like, aha! I can tell that I did that part. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, so and so did that part. What a yeah. fool he is! You know? It's just you know, it's it's the same thing essentially as when a different actor takes on us the same role mm-hmm. when you recast. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like it's not just that the actor, the new actor, looks different or sounds different or mm-hmm. has a different body. It's the fact that that actor is going to approach that character from a different way than the other actor did. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a different perspective on the character and what the character wants and their motivations. And it's the same thing with a stop motion puppet. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's weird. <laughs> it's just weird to think about. I need to like very closely watch this movie. Yeah. yeah. Try to, try to, to see when it's different. Yeah. <laughs> I think they would really rather you not yeah, do that. Yeah, like, please, please leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Honestly, it'd probably be pretty clear. Like between scenes, there's yeah. a good yeah. chance they yeah. switch. That's probably I mean, when they did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had 14 pretty much of all the major characters. So mm-hmm. right, you know, multiple at a time. All of the designs and storyboards for Corpse Bride went through Tim Burton. He had a very specific vision for the film in that it needed to be whimsical and charming, but also morbid. So the movie couldn't go too dark with the plot. I mean, we're about as dark as they'll let you go with mm-hmm. the children's yeah. animated film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got murder. Yeah. We've got, uh, you know, a guy marry a corpse. You know, yeah. this is stuff that you're not going to usually see mm-hmm. on Disney Channel. <laughs> But it's very whimsical. Like yeah. we've talked, we just we just talked about this a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. where I said that <laughs> I said his movies are whimsically horrifying. I think yeah. is what yes. I said. Yes. And that's I mean, Boom, exactly. There it is. There there it is. Yep. That's right. The film deals with the concept of being stuck between two worlds: the land of the living and the land of the dead. In this universe, the land of the living looks far more bleak and unalive than the colorful and joyous land of the dead. Because of this, when the film touches on darker subject matter, like death, murder, and betrayal, the characters and settings are bright and colorful. Right. Mm-hmm. What an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. You want to be in the land of the living just because that's where yeah. you're supposed yeah. to be, right? Yeah. But it totally has that 
flipped on its head where it's like, well, shoot. The no, like being alive seems pretty rough. Yeah, compared, you're yeah. like marrying people you don't want to marry, yeah. and yeah. like it, nobody can wear red for yeah. some reason. It just looks A lot of like people it, are poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it feels cold everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. can never warm up. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's exactly right. The living world is set in Victorian times with rigid styles that represent repression. For the colors and shades of the living world, the character designers took inspiration from daguerreotype photography. Rather than desaturate the characters in post-production, they truly were painted in dull, muted colors. Daguerreotype! Yeah, there's that word again! Who knew that this fall we would become a History of Photography podcast? (laughs) I mean... This is the second time we've talked about Daguerreotype. Practical magic, guys! Exactly. Oh, man. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. And that's actually pretty sweet that they painted it that way. Yeah. Because it just, you know... It feels like a Victorian painting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you'd probably be able to tell if it were just like a filter. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there. I mean, it it would have worked, I'm sure, but it's something to be said about it being painted that way. No matter, yeah. so no matter what environment they're in, and the lighting from you know the studio yeah. still affects them in a different way because yeah. they are actually painted those colors in those colors. Yeah, it's so much yeah. more interesting, I think, than just making it like a black and white movie. Right. Yeah. Just desaturating it. Right. So mm-hmm. so Victor can be in the land of the dead where everything around him is very colorful. But despite that and the lighting on him, he still got that palish color to yeah. it. Yeah. And that's super nice. Yeah. We've recently referenced the daguerreotype in our Practical Magic episode. It was the first publicly available photographic process, which means your oldest family photos might be daguerreotypes. It's very likely if those, yeah. if those photos are from early 19th century and no one is smiling. Oh, yep. <laughs> and there's always like that one person who turned their head, yeah. so it's like slightly blurry. A little, yep. yeah. It was common for family members to take daguerreotype photos of dead loved ones before burial. In this sense, the living characters in the corpse bride appear more dead than the dead characters. Makes yeah. total sense, yeah. 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 It's weird. Victorian daguerreotype photography is creepy. That yeah, it is. It's very creepy. This is when people were figuring out how to take pictures, but yeah. also how to do spirit photography. Yeah. And people uh, were super into spirit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this was, yeah, oh yeah, this was the time oh, man. to God. be into spiritualism. Yep. And people were mega into that yep. and making all kinds of odd, strange mm-hmm. photos that looked yeah. like ghosts mm-hmm. and magic and all of that kind of stuff. And But one of the things they did do very often was they would take a, a photo of a dead loved one, mm-hmm. especially because they might not have been able to do it while they were alive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. they would have them be posed in a quote unquote active way mm. to make it look like they are alive Aww. when in fact they are dead. Yeah. And Ugh, which even adds an extra layer of just, just creep. creepiness yeah. Yeah, to <laughs> just... the picture. And you look at it, and you're like, you can kind of, you can just sense that the, you can tell that the person's not alive. But, you know, they're sitting up, their eyes are open, they're being held up by somebody. It's very interesting. This is like the ones where the eyes watch you as you go around the room. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully none of us have photos like that in our house, but... (laughs) 
I understand if you would yeah. be afraid of a photo like that. Yeah. That's very yeah. Very yeah scary. Just the idea of it is yeah pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. The land of the dead is far more open with characters that don't have to follow any kind of rules now that they are deceased. There were two teams of artists, one for the living characters and one for the dead. The dead characters were stylized and colorful, while the artists working on the living characters had to make them look uniform. We appreciate you living <laughs> side people. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't think that you're less worthy uh, no. because yeah. your characters are more yeah, boring. No, we really, really appreciate. They really, I mean, the dedication to that aesthetic. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't think it would have worked as well. No. If they were constantly changing or if they no. were just like, okay, they look wacky like the Land of the Dead, but they're still painted pale colors. Right. Yeah. It just... That the the juxtaposition has to work in more than just color. Yeah, yeah, and it really does. And I'm glad they did it that way. The design of the characters, especially, is a very high point of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although the film was fairly low budget, Tim Burton was able to bring in a talented group of voice actors to play the characters. Each of the actors recorded their lines separately, but Burton was there to direct them during each recording. One of the actors was his partner and mother of his son. They would have another child together in 2007, Helena Bottom Carter. Yeah. Yay. It's no surprise that Helena Bottom Carter is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's in a lot of Tim Burton movies. Yeah. And at the time, they were together. Mm-hmm. They were together for about 13 years. Yeah. Before filming began, one of the biggest concerns was that children watching the film might be afraid of the Corpse Bride character. But Helena Bottom Carter made the character seem sympathetic and charming, instead of a scorned spirit hell bent on destroying a happy marriage. Yeah, I think this is another yeah. change from the original tale. Yeah, you know they, you know, making the corpse bride very charismatic and someone that you're rooting for while you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bottom Carter has appeared in several Tim Burton's projects like Big Fish and Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Johnny Depp took on the lead role of Victor while also playing Willy Wonka in Burton's adaptation of the Roald Dahl novel. Yeah. So not Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, Charlie in the Chocolate yeah. Factory, the 2005 film adaptation made by <laughs> Tim Burton starring yeah. Johnny Depp. They were mm-hmm. making it on the other side of town, so they just kind of zipped back and forth. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Both men would travel between the two studios and sets while filming. Depp and Burton have had a long-time professional relationship ever since Depp appeared in Edward Scissorhands in 1990. Oh. Yay. That's another kind of melancholy fairy tale. Yeah. British actor Emily Watson voiced the reserved Victoria, Victor's bride-to-be. Watson has appeared in many TV shows and films since the mid-90s, including the critically acclaimed series Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things about that show. It's pretty Mm -hmm. popular. Richard E. Grant played the villainous Barkus Bittern. He's a critically acclaimed actor that has appeared in several popular TV shows and films like Loki and Star Wars Episode Nine. This is one of those people Mm -hmm. that when you see his face, you're Mm going to go... Oh, <laughs> that guy. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, right? definitely, yeah. definitely has that face. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw him and went, oh, he plays villains in a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I definitely was, I recognized his yeah. face for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the legendary Christopher Lee lent his voice to Pastor Galswells, the minister that oversees the wedding between the main characters. Lee was a powerhouse talent that was in hundreds of productions over the course of his nearly 70-year career, including The Lord of the Rings. All right. I think that was the Lord of the Rings was the thing we knew him from when we were kids. Oh, yeah. The music. Whoa, guys. This movie has songs. So this movie isn't like a full-on musical. Mm -mm. There are some scattered musical numbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which are enjoyable. Yeah. I like them a lot. Yeah, I think they give the movie a nice, just just pat it out just enough. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Just that. a nice little sprinkling. Yeah, it adds to the whimsical nature yeah, of the yeah. movie. Composer Danny Elfman brought his signature style to the Corpse Bride soundtrack. Mwah. Oh, Danny Elfman. <laughs> oh, yeah. He and Tim Burton first worked together in 1985 on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The two instantly clicked due to their similar roots. Both were born in California and raised up as horror movie kids. When talking about his experience working with Burton for this film, he said, Working with Tim now is not that different than it was 20 years ago. Our process is still pretty much the same. To date, they've done over 16 movies together. Aww. Very nice. Awesome. I love Hollywood relationships like this where people work together for long periods of time. I feel like, you know, when you have someone who has lots of relationships like that, it's Mm -hmm. a good indicator that they're a good person Mm -hmm. or at least that they're a good collaborator. Yeah, You know, like Steven Spielberg kind of has this kind of relationship with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and Tim Burton has it with quite a few people too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's there's those people out there who you just don't want to work with. Yeah. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that movie was fun, but like, yeah. the, I don't want to talk to them anymore. Yeah, like, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when creating the music for Corpse Bride, Elfman used a lot of harpsichords and organs. Ooh, yes, yes, another, oh, yeah. another very, I don't know, Victorian feeling mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it fits in with the aesthetic they're going for visually, so it's perfect. I love it when composers do this, mm. when they're like, let's use these weird instruments to yeah. make it sound different for the movie. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I love it. It's so cool. Elfman would often record these percussion pieces, and as he put it, the odd stuff by himself. He would then bring these recordings with him to the orchestra sessions. He does this because when he records the orchestra, he wants all his focus on the orchestra and its recording. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a weird way to do it, but if it works for him, then it it works. The first song in the film, according to plan, introduces us with key exposition so that we know exactly what is going on. The song is performed by the ensemble cast and follows Victor and Victoria's families as they prepare for their upcoming nuptials. The song is not particularly upbeat and has a serious tone. This song is almost immediate. It's mm-hmm. very, very early. I think it's almost just like the beginning I, song. Yeah, I of think the movie. it's during the credits, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it really sets the tone of like 
being alive is boring and yes. it really sucks. And, that's, <laughs> and there's lots of rules that we have to follow. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the song, yeah. actually. I think those are lyrics. Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But anyway. <laughs> it's definitely no like Halloween town exactly. opening. It's yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, it's not drawing you in quite as well, but it is doing a good job of setting the tone and it's, you know, almost a too good of a job because at yeah. this point you're like, oh God. <laughs> I don't want to be in the alive, right place. Yeah. How happy is world. this movie going to be? <laughs> <laughs> you can figure out what's going on. They're about to get married and every last thing needs to go according to plan. Mm-hmm. Even though it is not the first song in the movie, Elfman began with writing Victor's piano solo. This was the first thing Elfman wrote because it had to match Victor's fingers actually playing a piano which is such a sweet detail what that is yeah that, dude not many people do that yeah uh-uh. especially in animation that's yep. cool that's so cool dude, there are music videos out there that don't yeah. even line up instruments like yeah. that that's amazing and, and you know usually this kind of stuff is recorded later and all of mm-hmm. that stuff. But, you know, doing this early so to make sure that you could actually have a shot of the stop motion yeah. puppet's hands playing a <laughs> little stop motion piano. <laughs> that's rad. Yeah, I mean, that's Super really, cool. really, really cool. Not only did it become Victor's lay motif, it also became a sort of theme for the whole film. It appears again when Victor has the duet with the corpse bride, Emily. This song is hauntingly beautiful and draws inspiration from classical music. Beautiful. It's so, so mm. nice. This is a really nice piece of music. And it it's kind of stands out from pretty much everything Danny Elfman writes because he writes a lot of kind of offbeat, off-kelter, kind of weird-sounding music. He uses lots of bells. He uses weird instruments like organs and harpsichords yeah. and that kind of stuff. But this just simple piano mm. piece is very pretty. It's, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Probably the most fun song of the film is Remains of the Day. Probably? I mean, it is. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't, we didn't want, you know. This is the one that makes it on the Halloween yeah. playlists. <laughs> In this song, we are given the details of the corpse bride's gruesome and tragic death. It's the most information heavy of all the songs but has an upbeat tempo and great vocals. This is a song where you hear a story and you don't mind it at all. Yeah. Sometimes when songs are information heavy, you're like, oh my God, you know? (laughs) You have to fit so much in the lyrics, it doesn't really feel musical. Yeah, it doesn't feel organic. It's not Mm -hmm. a song you would sing later. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, let me tell you the story of the corpse bride. And then he tells you the story in song version. Yeah. Yeah. A story within a story. Tim Burton decided early on that the land of the dead should be an upbeat, jazzy place. So for this song, sung by the dead, Danny Elfman took inspiration from 1930s Cab Calloway. The character that sings the song is named Bone Jangles. Elfman also calls it the Bone Jangles song. Elfman intended for the singer to have a gruffer voice. They auditioned close to 30 people, but none were quite right. In the end, Burton called Elfman up and asked if he would do the song, just as he had provided the singing vocals to Jack Pumpkinhead in Nightmare Before Christmas. Fine. (laughs) I just want to be a composer, guys. (laughs) But I mean, 
good call. I'm sure that if they kept looking, they would have found somebody. Yeah, eventually. But it's so interesting that in both instances, he wrote a song or songs and was like, you're not singing it right. I'll just do it myself. (laughs) But unfortunately, this was really brutal on his vocal cords. And every time he recorded, he was hoarse for the rest of the day. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, when he's trying to have a gruffer voice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Gruffer, more grit. He more. swallowed more. nails before. <laughs> I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. So? Without any milk. No. Right this way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, this song is fantastic. Heck yeah. yeah. This Quite is a jam. Yeah, it's a really fun song to listen to. It's a fun song on your Halloween playlist. But also, I just, I love the way they talk about death in this song. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, especially for little kids Mm -hmm. that might be watching it. You know, you have lines that are very blunt. You know, he says, die, die, we all pass away. But don't wear a frown, because it's really okay. No. You might try and hide, and you might try and pray, but we all end up the remains of the day. And it's very clever. Yeah. But it's also very... Yeah. Think about what they just said. Think about your mortality, children. (laughs) It's inevitable. Yeah. Wink. You will also be dead and in the ground. Yeah. Just so you know. I mean, that's that's it. That's, That's the song. And I think that it's a very upbeat and lighthearted approach mm-hmm. to a very serious topic and serious yeah. conversation. Oh, yeah. I do oh, yeah. I do like it. It's really Oh yeah. I mean it, it's I mean it's clear that it works because they yeah. they did a whole movie of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coco is very much like a Oh yeah. We're in the dead, but yes, it's okay. That whole movie you know? is a reminder that you will die. Yeah. <laughs> So we obviously really enjoy this movie, but yeah, how mm-hmm. did everyone else feel about it? Ooh. Let's find out. The Corpse Bride grossed about $53 million in North America Damn. and about $65 million in other territories for a total of over $118 million worldwide. That ain't nothing okay. to sniff at. Mm-mm, that no. is a large sum of money. Currently, it has a 7.3 on IMDb, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.8 on Letterboxd. Yeah. And they're out of five, I believe. Yes, Right, so it's not a bad score. Not too bad. Yes. The critical consensus is that the film is, as expected from a Tim Burton movie, whimsically macabre, visually imaginative, and emotionally bittersweet. Really, yeah, it hits all the points yep. yeah. of a typical Tim Burton That's movie. what we love. The film was nominated for over 30 awards and won nine of them. It's pretty cool. Which isn't Dang. bad. These include many Best Animated Feature Awards from around the world, especially at the Saturn Awards. Hey, the Saturn oh, Awards! We love, the we Saturn love them. Awards. I wish the Saturn Awards knew how much we loved them. Yeah, yeah they always pick the best ones. <laughs> they, we always agree with the Saturn Awards. Yeah. The film also received an Ub Iwerks Award for Technical Achievement, hey, which hey, is pretty hey. sick. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so happy that there's an Ub Iwerks Award. Yeah. Yes. The Corpse Bride was released on DVD and HD DVD on January 16th of 2006. It was later released on Blu-ray in September of the same year. And as of November 2020, the total gross for domestic video sales is over $42 million. That's amazing. So that is 
only a little bit less than what it made when it just came out. So yeah. people wow. really like this movie. Yeah, they really do. That's pretty good. It's one of those Halloween favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good one to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Spooky-ish. But like, hey, being dead ain't so bad. Yes. Right. Still fun. <laughs> it, it's it it's a perfect balance, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's able to stay and be like, you know, it, hey, death is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. But can still be lighthearted about it. And, you know, it's very bittersweet, just like we were saying before. It's mm-hmm. that perfect blend. So. All right, let's talk about some fun facts. Fun Woo! facts, fun facts. We're getting near the end of the episode. We're getting yeah. a little loose, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a little wiggly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're in the land of the dead. You see, it's, like, it's fun now. We've crossed over. Yeah. At one point during production, the world-famous animator and one of the pioneers of modern stop-motion animation, Ray Harryhausen, paid a visit to the set of The Corpse Bride. How cool is that? That's like a rock star. Yeah, that's King Kong stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. Production ground to a halt for the day, and he received a hero's welcome, as he should. Yes. The crew decided to give their idol an on-screen shout-out in the film. When Victor plays the piano right before he first meets Victoria, you can see Harryhausen's name engraved on the instrument. Yep. It's a nice, subtle little moment. Ray Harryhausen's awesome, and we talked about him in our History of Special Effects episode yeah. from a, a little while ago. Yes. But check that if out. If you remember, uh, I believe it's Dyn- Dynamation, yes. something like that, uh, that super special version of stop motion yeah. that, that everyone loves. Yeah. Initially, Burton planned to shoot on 35-millimeter film, but The Corpse Bride would actually end up being the first stop motion movie to be shot digitally, which made it easier to do many effects. Yes. Yes. Really cool, like we mentioned earlier, but it was the first. It was. And you know what? Film looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. And will there ever be a format that looks better than film? Maybe Mm -hmm. not. But digital makes things easier. That's yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, when and they... it still looks pretty yeah. freaking good. I'll yep. say when they already have so many other things to deal with mm-hmm. with stop motion, I think we can let them yeah. use digital. I think I think it. we can let them use digital. You know, we'll let it. We'll, we'll, we'll let it go this time. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, Jim Carrey and Angelina Jolie were considered for the two lead roles, but of course, Tim Burton would end up getting Johnny Depp and Helena Bottom Carter. I mean, to be expected. Yeah, but. What a weird! Dude. I that, would l- have loved yeah. to see Jim Carrey. Right? I, it would I, be it, so interesting. It, yeah, yes, it would have <laughs> been a totally different. I mean, I don't know him playing a super subdued character yeah. like uh-huh. that would be fascinating. It yeah. would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. We know yeah. that Jim Carrey has range. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But we haven't seen anything to the level of Victor. No. Yeah, that would I have mean, been crazy. The Corpse Bride was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, but lost to Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were-Rabbit, which coincidentally also starred Helena Bottom Carter. Ah, I mean, she nice. was in England, in England at yeah. the time, so of course she was <laughs> went over well. to Aardman yeah. right. and did, did some stuff over yeah. there. Yeah, and it's so that funny sounds about right. that people at Aardman were involved in making this, this, and the yeah. movie they lost to happened to be at Aardman <laughs> one, yes. and it's like, it's so funny. It's all connected. Yep. yep. It feels like the animation, the stop motion animation scene in England is very small. Yeah. Right. It's, it's what either, it makes, you, makes yeah. you think. It's either Ardman or like indie groups with Ardman people helping out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Helena Bottom Carter is everywhere. Yes. yes. 
The film was dedicated to the late Joe Ranft, who was killed in a car accident the year The Corpse Bride was released. The Pixar film Cars was also dedicated to Ranft. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> he was the guy that introduced Tim Burton to the story that they based the movie on, but also he was a integral part in the creation of Pixar and yeah. just yeah. a very, yeah. very big part of that studio and the film Cars. So, mm-hmm. sorry to end such a sad note. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's It's... If anything, it's a little, it's fitting for the movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that is true. <laughs> All right. So, do we have any other last minute thoughts about The Corpse Bride? I think it's, it, it does feel a bit left out of the conversation mm-hmm. of, you know, Tim Burton stop motion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very overshadowed by Nightmare Before Christmas. And yeah. while I think we would all agree that Nightmare is better, or at least we enjoy it more, watch it more often. I can't stress enough that Corpse Bride is still a very good movie. Yeah. yeah. It definitely holds up mm-hmm. uh, alongside these other stop motion classics and, and yeah. just animation in general. Yeah. You know, the quality is there. Mm-hmm. The, the voice acting is there. The music is there. It's all great stuff. And yeah. it's definitely worth a watch. And I, mm-hmm. myself, very much want to watch it again. Like I said, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones that I enjoyed it immediately, and I I ended up buying it because I oh, liked nice. it so much. Excellent, I might <laughs> so, grab your yeah. copy then. Yeah, <laughs> it's very romantic. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of Tim Burton's movies have a very romantic undertone to them, mm-hmm. but this one it's just kind of front and center. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's not necessarily an undertone; it's there, and it's just different. Yeah. It's different than the other movies, and I think it's honestly different than anything else I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not yeah. very many movies like this one. Mm-hmm. It's a children's film. It's very complex. It's very yeah. deep. You know, it doesn't ever talk down to you. Nope. It's very much, you know, it's right. what you see is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I honestly, I really do love it. And it's a movie that I've told people that, you know, if you watched it a few years ago and you weren't that big of a fan, Go ahead and watch it again because I think it's one that only gets better with time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's one that improves, especially mm-hmm. when you're watching it and you can really appreciate, yeah. you know, <laughs> all of these things about it that are so special. Yeah. It's a very special movie. Yeah. After you've had more life experience and mm-hmm. also just seen it more than once, like even just after a first watching, like the second, third watching, just you catch yeah. so yeah. much more. Yeah. It might have this kind of. On its face, you kind of expect a certain thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, you know, it, it's different from that initial expectation, which maybe throws people off their first watch. Yeah. yeah. Right? They're expecting maybe a little bit more, um, I don't know, undead, jokey stuff or much, or staying very serious, but yeah. it kind of has this interesting... You know, it's a unique twist on all of it, right? Yeah. So by the time you see it a second time, maybe you're ready for it and you can appreciate it better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. There's something strangely beautiful about stop motion animation. Mix that art form with the morbid and macabre imaginings of Tim Burton, and we have a match made in heaven. The Corpse Bride is a fascinating film that showcases a colorful and whimsical idea of death. 
with upbeat and lovable characters, even less frightening than those that live in Burton's Halloween Town. With standout moments like a skeleton gleefully reminding the audience that they too have an expiration date, and groundbreaking techniques that enhance stop motion, The Corpse Bride is certainly something special. So, if you're looking for a melancholy film about love, loss, friendship, and death, check this movie out. You just might love it to death. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Oh, this is my favorite part of every episode. Yeah. The end. <laughs> the end. Shake it off. Yeah. And with that, we have a case closed. Woo! It's pretty All good. Right. Yeah. Pretty good. I liked it. Look at that. I think we're starting to think too much about the clap. I, yeah, I think so. We focus and then it just <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, just oh. forget that we even do it. Yeah, forget about just the kinda, clap. yeah we, lo- we got to loosen up every yeah. time like we BCD. did. BCD. Forget about the clap. <laughs> every time you say it in a way, I'm just yeah, like. We've definitely brought that up before. Is that our new slogan? I think it's a good one. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Veto. <laughs> Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, which we hope enjoyed the extended version of this episode yeah. on Patreon. Yeah, we said some bad words yeah. at the beginning of the extended Ooh, yeah. version. We, uh, well, I did. I it did. got got kind of spicy. So you know, <laughs> if you want to go back and you know get on our Patreon, everybody likes there a little spice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But we want to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, Jaron, and Brad. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys, very much. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. And thank you to all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, everybody. If you'd like some more content from the BCD, you can head on over and listen to There Are No Small Parts. Yes. Yeah. It's a great, great little little podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. Great you show. You should definitely go check it out yeah. if you are into movies even a little bit, mm-hmm. which if you've gotten this far into this podcast, you yeah. most certainly are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go check it out. Yeah. And it's very short episodes so it won't take up much time just no. go give it a shot yeah promise you'll love it yeah you have that 15 minute drive to target or yeah, something it's only exactly. 15 minutes yeah. long exactly. whatever all right. all right bye bye <laughs> see ya <laughs>